Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Johnny Owen, and this is the Best 11 podcast from TalkSport. Mark Webster and I ask our guests 11 questions all about their love of football, from their earliest memories of the game to how their matchday rituals have changed over the years. And at the end, they'll tell us their Best 11, a team made up of anyone who's ever played for their club, along with a manager of their choice. Will they pick a cult hero from the past to lead the line, or will they go for a young whippersnapper from the modern era? It's totally up to them, because it's their Best 11. Our guest today is a multi-award winning screenwriter and director, famous for 24-7, Dead Man's Shoes and This Is England. He's easily the most important British film director of the last 20 years and considered one of the greatest ever. He's also a very good friend of mine. It is, of course, the brilliant Shane Meadows. Welcome, Shane. This is your best 11. So can you start by telling us your earliest football memories? My first football memories, I think, because um, I came to supporting football quite late in my life. Um, I was in my very early 20s. My, my early memories at the bottom of our road, um, where I grew up in Utoxeter, there was a really famous pitch, famous for its slope, not because of its quality. And I went down to watch my uncle. Um, my dad's brother was a really, really gifted sort of young footballer. But because of his... Um, uh, Ponchomp for getting involved in the odd scrap. He didn't sort of uh, make it onto the... Uh, the trials. He didn't get through many of his amazing trials. Um, but I went to watch my uncle have a game, and um, and I watched him play on this ridiculous pitch. And uh, and yeah, and some great big, great big heavy set guy because we're all you know five foot sort of sevens, the most a Meadows ever kind of reaches in our uh, lineage. Um, but and, powerful uh, and low, yeah, low gravity, and, and which I, is good. And, yeah, absolutely. And I, my uncle Peter uh, had a game, had a fight, um, pleased everyone. <laughs> Anyone. <laughs> And, the, and this pitch was, yeah, like the behemoth. It was, it was like a 70-degree, higher than some of the Tour de France climbs. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like a sort of colder Utoxeter. And, uh, yeah, that was my first memory. That You know, you'd come walking down the road on a Sunday morning, you know, obviously no shops open, and there'd be all these blokes. You'd smell railjacks for the first time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, saw a jock strap for the first time. Well, that's not yeah. such a strong memory. Yeah, just like Ford Cortinas with the back doors open and these blokes cl- clambering out, very unfair. You'd see them staggering home or getting dropped off in police cars the night before. Um, and then they're all up at like <laughs> 9.30 going up the cold Eutoxeter for a game. So, uh, yeah, that that was my first um, first memory. Obviously, local uh, Sunday league football at the bottom of my road in Eutoxeter. So you, romantic, actually. Did you play yourself, Shane? Did you, were you a footballer yourself? I was in a team. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one because it was like... Um, uh, it was like done by this guy, uh, this amazing guy called Naishi in Utoxita, who set up a club for. Um, it wasn't really based on skill set. It was based on a load of. He, he saw a load of lads around the area that he um, 
he, he basically just kind of got on with everyone and would mix with everyone. A lot of lads, obviously, in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, a lot of drugs going around, a lot of people going off the rails. The boxing club had closed down and there was kind of nothing, and youth clubs had gone. There was nothing for anyone to do. So this guy, Naish, set up this football team called Oasis. And, um, and you, you, the, you know, the only sort of... He's basically, anyone could get in the team, basically, as long as you were like a bit of a pain in the bum. And uh, my mate Fraser, I went to started writing all my early films with. He was a goalkeeper, and his career was cut short by um, having a vertebrae snapped at the Utoxter de Col. That, that would he do was it. In, <laughs> he was in goal, yeah. Wow. He snapped a vertebrae, and um, but this uh, amazing doctor, Doctor J D Dove from Burton on Trent, fused it uh, in this life saving operation, <laughs> and he come back out. He got back in the sticks for uh, Oasis FC, and um, we lost. Uh, I think because it was in the paper every week, it was it was making the back page at the top because they were losing by so many goals, and the reports would be you know like you know Kevin Bold once it got to seventeen nil, Kevin Bold went to the side of the pitch, rolled a fag, and sat and watched it with the rest of the fans. And uh, on about the fourth game, we got we people stopped wanting to play us because obviously once you're twenty down, some of these lads were rough lads and they were you know fresh out the boxing club with no one to spar with, so it's like fights kicking off. And I remember. We the very first week everyone went. There's like a hundred, like his disciples. All these people there had heard about free fish and chips after training, and then as the money dwindled, I don't. He must have won like a grand on the lottery or something on the pools, and this money dwindled. And I remember being on a. There was about I think there was just enough for a team. Eleven of us going to play Foston Prison. All the lifers because no one had players in the area. Got banned from all the leagues, and we played against all these. Um, murderers and lifers and whatever they'd done and Fraser was in goal and when it got to 20 nil, they let us have their goalie <laughs> <laughs> and this is a God's honest truth the only time I ever got a shot on goal because I was so bad they made me like the orange guy even when there was no orange to bring on <laughs> and, uh, and we played Foston Prison and I did this amazing shot I was just so hacked off I just thought I was going to boot the ball and Fraser in the opposing team's goal made the only save he'd ever made against me against you yeah Aww. when he was their goalkeeper and that that was the last match we played. There was no minibus back. We all had to walk back from this prison. And uh, I've still I've kept the Oasis top, the, the football top that we had. Um, and, um, yeah, so I was in a team, but it was... <laughs> and that, that basically, that's where 24-7 came from. The, the yeah. idea for my first feature film, the guy that Bob Hoskins played, it was that story that I kind of told him about this guy. But the problem with football films at the time, there'd been a few yeah, yeah. up and under these sort of things where, you know, team, working-class lads, they don't do anything, then they end up winning the FA Cup somehow. Yeah. Um, and I sort of said, obviously, we didn't win. I don't think it's going to make good film. <laughs> Quite <laughs> the opposite. Yeah, 36 <laughs> nil. Um, and that, that, that was where um, 24-7 was born out of and probably the, when I realised I needed to start making films about these people I'd grown up with. The Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport. Who's your team and why do you support them? So, 24-7, when I was making 24-7, I'd never been to a league match of, of any kind. And um, uh, and I went to Notts County because one of the characters in 24-7 was always talking about Notts and um, was going on about Notts. And he, he said to me this one day, he said, um, you know, if, if, if football was 80 three minutes or maybe even 85 minutes, Notts would probably be in the Champions League because everything that's gone wrong for them 
since 1911 has always been <laughs> after 85 minutes. So he and, he and he tell you what, he's not wrong. If you go back, we really? managed to have matches. If you watch Sky Sky Sports News or you know listening to the results coming on any radio thing, not to always finish it about 116 minutes. <laughs> well, so the other team get their just yeah, desserts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. And uh, and I remember hearing this stuff, and and I ended up as I'm, I'm terrible for it on set. People say things that make me laugh on the lunch bus, or whatever, and I end up nicking it for the script. And I kept hearing about this team knots, and I thought this long-suffering guy. I said, I've never been to a match. I was in this rubbish team, and I, maybe I'll come. You know, we were shooting over um, Nottingham, and uh, I said I'll come down to a match with you one day. So it was '96. Uh, Sam Allardyce was there, and uh, and I went down to watch my first match, and it was like. Uh, you know, because as a kid, I'd not been sporty, I'd not been into football really. Always watched England, watch a big like. I remember watching Liverpool Wimbledon with my mum. You know, the FA Cup final. You watch these big iconic moments, but had never followed a team. And I went down there and I sat with those people, and it was like being in the pub with my dad. They were amazing. The characters were absolutely incredible. And um, and I, I made the fatal mistake of picking the best year to go down as well because they got promoted. Yeah. And uh, and I was thinking this football thing is easy. <laughs> this is how we roll oh, now. Cruel mistress. I had a pitch invasion on me first. You know, I think the last oh. game of the season was there was thirteen or fourteen thousand there, which for knots is is a massive crowd. And um, and then that was like ninety seven. And then I think Allardyce went maybe the year after or the year after that when we weren't far off going up again. Um, and then uh, it kind of capitulated, but you once you've picked. <laughs> yeah. So do you remember the first game you went to? For yeah. Months? Do you remember the game? Yeah. Do you know? I, I can't quite remember the opposition. Um, I, I've got a feeling it may have been Torquay, um, and uh, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, who the opposition were because I was. I think I was leathered because I. <laughs> you know, you kind of go. The whole thing about it was just wonderful. You kind of go. You know, you're allowed to sort of go and start drinking at like daft o'clock, and they serve these amazing parts, and they serve. Mushy peas and mint sauce there. It was like everything, you know, if Carlsberg were designing an activity for me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, yeah, I mean, I, re- I remember the season um, and, you know, the what's what was kind of lovely was that um, everyone that was there, because, you know, you're talking about, you know, third division football as was, you know, whatever, League One as it is now. It, everyone that's there, um, no one's there because there's a superstar in the team, you, mm. know, you know, no one's there because these players you know ultimately there were real fans and the last few remaining fans and it was um it was one of those things that kind of just drew me in and I could have probably walked into any club in England in the lower divisions and would have got attached to it it just so happened that this guy had drawn me in with this um deeply hilarious stuff about <laughs> thinking that they'd be world beaters you know had football been made six minutes shorter you, you say you come to football obviously quite late and uh, you told me a great story uh before we got on air about your first football top and your first f- favourite player, can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, it, what it, what happened was um, when we when we started football when I was at middle school, um, I, I, I think I was nine, and you and you had to go and pick a, a top for football. So it wasn't like now where you'd be like a cut school kit and you'd wear a blue t-shirt or whatever. Uh, everyone would, would go into born sports in your toxic test. It's gone long gone now. There's no chain rights there. <laughs> and uh, we went in, and I'm kind of like seeing all the famous teams up, you know, up on this rack. All the big classics people I'd heard of, you know, Spurs, Liverpool, Hotspur, Arsenal. Mum's kind of guiding me away to this other rail of slightly more garish-looking things and goalkeeper tops and sort of burgundy things like black lace would wear on tour. <laughs> and, and I sort of, um, I sort of said, I don't. <laughs> can I go up that that bit up there? And she's coming. No, let's stay in this area, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> and then I start realising why it's like discounted. So right, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I ended up the only one that was was sort of 
bearable was wolves. Oh right. And um, and there was a wolves top, and um, and it was I don't know forty nine p rather than seven ninety nine, <laughs> so it was well within budget, and um, and so that it was kind of completely picked economically because we were brassic, and so I went to school and I had to pretend. That um, that I was a wolf supporter because people are kind of going, what the on earth are you wearing? <laughs> I'm going, I'm wolves, man. Like, of course you are. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, I say, you know, obviously it's only a stone's throw from here. <laughs> yeah, and, and all of that, you know. And I was like picking like players that weren't in the team, you know, like Nobby Style. Yeah, who's your favourite Nobby Styles? Is it, yeah, he hasn't played for a, quite a long time, Shane. Yeah, I love no, the wolves. Not for wolves either. Loving those Wolverine guys. Come on. <laughs> And dude, this thing—the the inside of this top—it was so cheaply made. It, had, it might as well have been sandpaper. It was like, so I'm running and I'm running around the field with this other lad that was in a, like a, the, the black lace one, yeah. like a burgundy purple, the pre-shell suit football top. So me and him were sort of like running laps, and I'm sort of going around. And this thing, it, honestly, it was so abrasive on the inside. Nothing could escape fluid-wise. <laughs> it's like forty-nine pence worth of hell. <laughs> And so I told people for years and years and years. And then when Steve Bull started playing oh, for Wolves yeah, and they yeah. did that amazing run up and I found out that, you know, so and then, so I, I pretended to be a Wolves fan for a really long time yeah. and stuck with it because of this cheap top. So I didn't like I said, it, it's not been made for financial reasons. I love the Wolverines. <laughs> and they'll be so proud to, yeah. to hear you say it, yeah. Actually, I guess mentioning Steve Ball, that, that leads nicely to our next question, doesn't it, John? It does, yeah. Uh, I was just talking about like, sort of your favourite player as a kid. Do you, do you have a favourite player when you were sort of when you were young? When I was a kid, obviously the, the ones that jumped out, I suppose it would be people that ended up in the England setup. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I mean I suppose my all-time favourite England player would have to be Paul Gascoigne. Is every England yeah. fan's favourite player? Yeah, and it's, it's just funny because I, what is it? it's just because he was creative. I think. Wasn't it? Yeah, and, and absolutely that, and he wore his heart on his sleeve. And I think, especially now, you know, you look at players and they have to be they have to protect themselves and they have to be media trained. And it's like there's something beautiful about the fact that even then he seemed like a loose cannon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. pre-media days. Yeah. Yeah. Even by the standards of the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, people doing those ridiculous celebrations where they're sniffing things off lines and he was seen as the wacky one. But so but but in terms of Notts County, when I when I went there, um it was I remember we had Stevie Finnan up on the wing. So yeah. it was like this amazing first season. And and what was lovely, um because Jermaine Pennant came through when he was 15 or 16 a few years later, and it was just at the time where people, you'd still get players for a couple of seasons. Yeah. They weren't getting robbed off you. Mm. And so you'd have this, it doesn't seem to happen now. You know, I've got, been down to knots a lot. We've got, got brand new squad and things are looking the best they've been for quite a while. Obviously, we're not in the right, the best league, but they're, they're playing some really nice stuff. But those days of seeing kids come through from the academy seem to have uh, seem to have vanished. And so, you know, Mark Stallard, um, was they were like stalwarts. They like lived there, yeah. Um, and you know, bought up there. And uh, there was a school in Nottingham that seemed to breed players that ended up at Notts. And um, and so you know, I think um, the, when I first went down there, I saw Stevie Finnan play up that wing, and I was like, you know, because he was playing on the right wing for Notts, and ended up doing it sort of um, just. Uh, I think they put him at the back, didn't they, at Liverpool when he moved over there, made him a defender. Yes. Um, but you could see that class and you could see, you know, sort of all of that. But uh, like I said, growing up as a kid, um, I didn't follow a team, so my icons were probably England players. Yeah, yeah. You, growing up, obviously, ending up in Nottingham, which of course is what you did, didn't you? So, you know, you did, you took the ball and then it was university, then you moved to Nottingham, and that's your hometown, as it were. Yes, it is now, yeah. Is it? 
how does that break down as a city where you got the because of course everyone lives probably somewhere where there's you got if you've got one team it makes life nice and simple in the town or the city where you live yeah two team town one of which has got all that history Notts county and one of which had brian clough and an amazing record how does, how does the town break down well, it's a, it's a funny one for me because I'm always kind of drawn to an underdog in, in any sort yeah. of situation. You know, being slightly vertically challenged and, you know, I've got <laughs> quite odd little trotter-type feet. I, I'm always drawn to people that overachieve. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, I suppose it's one of those kind of things that... Um, what what I've always found in Nottingham is that, um, you know, that, that especially in my time since being there, the gulf's so wide between, yeah. obviously, the achievements. But you, know, yeah. you sort of feel like, you know, they're like, you get sort of rubbed on the head and they quite like it, the Forest fans. <laughs> Here he comes. Well, they've got Derby to worry about, Forest, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, so I, I definitely would say that, you know, if, if there's any bad feelings, especially, you know, Forest back over to County, which there doesn't ever appear to be, it would be much more like it's Derby. Our, our rivals, really, are, are Lincoln and Mansfield. Yeah, yeah they you are. Know, that's, um, now, obviously, that would be completely different if ever we got were lucky enough to, to climb the divisions again. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, like I said, it was complete fluke. If my mate had been sat there going, you know, Forrest to be back in this division if football was... I would have gone down to Forrest or wherever it was. I'd have gone wherever he was moaning about, I think. <laughs> um, it's interesting we, we were saying we, that um, everybody that's kind of a little bit arty in Nottingham, you, Vicky McClure, Jake Bug. St. Raymond. We all support Notts County. It's almost like the, the indie goth team, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it really is. It's a funny one because, you, you know, because uh, Billy Ivory, a great writer yeah. from Nottingham as well, he goes down there. And I, I think Billy did a brilliant little, I can't remember what, what it was on. He did a, a documentary, some sort of brief news piece about how Notts had been voted the hardest team to support. <laughs> and it, there was a lot of people competing for the title, but then yeah. the sort of... When the mock takeover happened for Monto Finance, yeah. we had Charlie McParland, who'd been an amazing player for Knotts and was doing an incredible job as a manager. First time in years it had stabilised. And then, uh, you know, this this takeover happens, you know, and you're kind of going... I'd seen... We'd played Man City just before it went crackers for them with their takeover. And, you know, all the, all the way down the line you speak to people and they go, well, if you're the oldest club in the world, surely someone at some point's going to see the value in that history yeah, and, yeah. you know, and get behind you. So when that felt like that was happening, um, and, and, you know, no one believed it and I didn't believe it really. But then when I was sat um, about three seats away from Sol Campbell and as I walked down the stairs... Um, I saw Sven Jorn Eriksson. I was kind of like, and Kasper Schmeichel's in goal, and you're going, this is actually real. Mm. This is actually happening. And then two weeks later, Sol Campbell played his first game, um, and everyone was kind of going like, someone booted him. I think I think it was against Lincoln or something like that. Someone had like kicked him, you know, and he was kind of like, I'm not really digging this, what happens down here. You know, it's like, it like being in the Wanderers or the Warriors trying to get around New York. And, he, uh, and so... And so when he first pulled out and said his weight, there was something was wrong financially. Everyone thought it's because he got kicked to death in this game. Yeah. But he was actually spot on, and he was right. And and it all so you, so that's I think when everyone sort of went. I think they are probably the hardest team to support because even a takeover that appeared to have all of this before. There's been a few shoddy ones since, but that that was over before it even began. Yeah. It was like a Roman candle that burnt for about five seconds. <laughs> And um, and if it wasn't for Sven Jorn Eriksson refusing to to take the, the the club to court over the money he was owed, he was owed millions of pounds oh, really? off his contract, and he um, he just walked away. 
uh, and that kept the club alive. Um, so if it hadn't been for him saying, because he knew if I take that or try to take that, I'll probably get a small piece of that, mm. and that thing but won't exist anymore. Could be the end of them. And anyway. So he went to Leicester. Yeah, and did the exact same thing with Leicester. And so if football was 85 minutes long and Monto Finance was real, we'd be in the Champions League. <laughs> this is the Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport. So you spoke about how different football was then, even to now. I just wanted to talk about your, your match day rituals. You said about the first one, you sort of you got, had a few pints with the lads and, yeah. and what it's like now going down with your boys. My favourite, this is a bit of a weird one, is, is that I enjoy, as, sometimes I don't enjoy the match at all because it's so painful, <laughs> but I tell you what, that thing of travelling in, listening to build-up, on the radio, whether it be local radio or whether it be all the results coming in and, and the league, that, that, that I, I suppose it harks back to being a kind of being a kid and all those classic names that are first circle around, you know, Caledonian Thistle and those yeah, when yeah. those you know and and so there's something about the whole thing of getting getting dressed up, um, going out on a Saturday, knowing you can have a few beers without anyone judging you, and a pie <laughs> without anyone judging you or showing you any cholesterol tests. And <laughs> um, but for me, uh, you know, that thing of being in the car, whether it be with my kids and my lads, you know, you know, both my lads support sort of Premier League teams, but come to watch not with me. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, sweet. Yeah, hold me hand. It's almost tragic <laughs> in its own way. Yeah, yeah but, but it's that, 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 I enjoy that as much as, as anything, that bit afterwards where you're hearing what else has been going on around yeah. the country. It's kind of like a sort of very large legal rave <laughs> where uh, you're all part of something for yeah. a few hours and there's something about a Saturday or a Tuesday night where you're stuck in traffic and so are other people and everyone's moaning and yeah do you find yourself gravitating to talking about football a lot yeah and what what tends to happen i think obviously when you are lucky enough to be in the premier league and, and especially there were, when we were doing the the early films romeo brass 24 7 those films inherently a lot of the gaffers and the lighting teams they're london boys and so you end up with tottenham spurs <laughs> hammers and yeah. so the crack really you don't need to start any yourself from division one like three where we were <laughs> the, what goes on between them and and so we'd all go out and support each other's you know say there was a big match on champions league everyone tends to go out together Brilliant. and follow each other's games so you know we'd go out to uh um wherever we were if you're away from home and it brings people together when you're on them jobs and it's the, the the crack between them london lads you know because obviously so many teams in such a small and they're so staunch 
Um, and you'll find um, the match will be on if you're doing a night shoot and you'll be walking off to the loos, the Jenny Wagon, you know, going to have a, a wee and you'll hear, you'll hear it and there's like a, a gaffer or an electrician hidden up the back of a truck with it on a radio or on yeah. a, you know. And uh, yeah, it, it is, it's one of those things. But I, th I think uh, when you get into Champions League, everyone tends to go out together and because uh, Thomas Turgoose, we played in the same league as Grimsby for many years yes. and we've been to each other's grounds a number of times, you know, and we're always fairly kind to each other. Football, I mean, football is quite important to you and a lot of your stuff. And in, in, uh, this is in '86, you opened with Mexico '86, and 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 it was quite important that, that everybody's sitting around communally, aren't they, and watching watching a World Cup there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As as a kid, sporting moments, um, I could. I, Things would bring people together, you know. I remember loads. You'd sit around and there'd be a big tennis final, and you'd watch a you know tennis final, rugby coming on. But there was something about football that um, you could, you know, and because there were generally, it felt like there were working class kids out yeah. there playing that game. Mm. Um, they um, there was, you know, I, I can I can remember it was yeah, it was like a really incredible, a really special moment for the country. But it was, that, was it, like ninety. I mean, people must ask you to do ninety six all the time. I would imagine. Yeah, because that 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 was the one, and I think you know the the two. If I was ever going to go back and do it, this is England. There was always talk of ninety six or possibly oh oh for the millennium. Yeah, um, they're the two sort of key dates. But yeah, there was something about football where it's a bit like Olympics. You know, the name goes with the place. Italia yes. ninety. Yeah, the two things are so synonymous with each other um, that. Um, but it, it's that it's that moment where all I love the fact that all teams go out the window and everyone's together and all the people are in the pub together and you kind of join forces but no matter who you support yeah um, it's a, a wonderful thing you're listening to the best 11 podcast from talk sport do you have a favorite piece of memorabilia or a memento that's important to you Shane uh, yes they did um, a limited edition uh, like little Jimmy Cyril Statue, yeah, the statue. You know, the, the statue. That's the best statue I've ever seen for like this. It's exquisite. It's incredible, isn't it? They wanted to have a statue outside the ground. Yes. You know, obviously, most respected manager in the history of the club. And um, and they did, uh, wanted to do, but they obviously, to, you know, the finances have always been tight down there. So they released a limited number of miniatures of, oh, of very the Oh, clever. Right. Of, of the to thing. help for the finance of yeah. the... Yeah. And, uh, and I um, was away working when when this thing got announced and so when i go into a film i can sometimes like go underground for three or four months and i came back up and all of these things had been spoken for and there was none left and so um i just sort of went back into the club and uh you know and i just sort of said, look i know they've all gone what what triggered me was that there was someone was putting theirs back up when the club were going through some financial difficulties and we're going to auction their one off they're not worth thousands of pounds sure. they were i don't know i think they were 300 quid to buy and you knew you were putting yourself into helping to put the big uh the big statue outside and uh, and i just got in touch and said how many raffle tickets does a man need to buy to win one of these babies <laughs> and um and then they got in touch with this uh this lady and just sort of said, you know, Shane was just asking if ever there was any that were made or there was any cast-offs where Jimmy's eye looks weird. <laughs> yeah, he's got flares on and that. Yeah. Got the one where he's just in his knickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably wise. So, uh, and, and they rang me back and said that the artist would let me, um, if I'd made a donation to the charity... Uh, Les Brad's charity into knots um, that they'd let me have the original first cast oh, that was made. Wow! wow. Um, so uh, so that um, I, I I basically bought that, and um, you know one of those things when you've been made to it's like England winning when you've been made to wait to win something and you made made to if I'd got one the first time around I probably would have shoved it in a cupboard. Yeah. Um, 
but it's that sort Pride of thing. Of that it's, it's the journey. Yeah, it is the journey. Clough is in the middle of Nottingham, and that's often the big question is whether he should be at the ground or whether he should be in that's the middle a good of town. Point. Yes, but yeah. the family really like him being in the middle of town because he was so important to the city and the history yeah. of the city, and he's now become a congregation place for uh, marches and demonstrations, Has he? which I think he'd really like, wouldn't he? Yeah, I, I, I met him very briefly once on a train. Did you? Um, I was, uh, and he was the most well spoken well mannered you know because there was there was something having a mardi because the seat reservation wasn't there you know one of them where there's none the tickets aren't and like someone's coming down and you're like the hell's gonna freeze over you know so they're giving everyone stick and he was absolutely he was there with his wife and he was really nice he must have been going to a match somewhere in london maybe going to wembley or there was a match on down south and he just was the most polite um, you know, and, and genuinely nice man with with the staff, just amazing with people, and it was lovely to see. And then obviously seeing Johnny's film, and uh, yeah. you know when when I believe in miracles come out, um, where I, I sort of finally accepted what had happened over that. Yeah, I just couldn't believe nobody'd made it before. It was like, <laughs> is this one available? Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll do That's that. One. Ridiculous, it's ridiculous yeah. that it was just hanging there. Really. The, when you look at the world news that Leicester made, just winning the Premier League, I know. yeah, and then you look at what actually happened there back to back. Would you've done like you know like Damned United? Would, would a an actual kind of football film tale that you know doing the thing that you would normally do the way you do it? Would that appeal to you? Yeah, I think it would. I, I, I'd never be someone that wanted to make a sports movie, but a bit like what Johnny did, where you get... It's about the people who tell the story, and when you watched I Believe in Miracles, you f- I fell in love with those players Yes, when they were talking about it. Obviously, the football sequences were incredible, but I'd, I'd again always be drawn to the characters, I think. Have you got a favourite ever kitchen? Well, so mine... Um, I love the ones... Um, <laughs> from the sort of late 1800s where it looks like you could literally go to the BAFTAs in them. Yeah. <laughs> the Sumnots County ones, because of the black and white thing, oh, yeah. honestly. Yeah, the the leaves, that's the right, very formally coloured yeah. yeah. and uh, w- set up. There's one from, like, the late... Uh, probably the time we last won the, the FA Cup. It looks almost as a little... There's a sort of an accent, a black accent on the collar that looks a bit like a bow tie. Brilliant. And then obviously full, full regalia, sockage. <laughs> and uh, it looks like you're wearing trousers. It looks yeah. like you're wearing a suit. Mark, Mark, you remember him playing like that, Mark? I you? actually do. I've got, I, I, I wear it to this day to all of my awards big. I'll tell you what, if, if ever, because I've never had a desire to go to the Oscars, but if ever I went there, you Notts County, 1896. You could go up the steps, you'd have the studs on those old boots, and you'd be <laughs> clacking up those yeah. steps a bit Wonderful Here noise, comes Shane wouldn't it? Meadows. <laughs> and what be are an- you wearing? Exactly. Well. And it'd be a noise that only only English people would, or that sort of football fans would understand, That's would be it. the clacking of, of studs on the surface. Yeah. It's yep. one of the greatest noises of all time. Of if you look, been- if you look at those early ones of knots, it, some, there's like a period of about 20 years where it look, they look like suits. Yeah. Um, but my, my uh, the sapper, there was a sapper. Oh, the sapper um, sponsor, wasn't it? Yeah, so sapper was sponsored. I think it was the sapper did the, they did a, because I always love the knots when they've got a little flash of gold in there yes. you know, the, the, the black white and the gold and Sapper did one I think it was 97 I think it must have been the year we went up and it had the classic simplistic look almost how kits are going back a bit now where they're starting to go a bit yeah. more retro because um, there was one two years before by Sapper that was again a shell suit in waiting um, yeah. whereas they instead of having 765,000 panels of black and white <laughs> with sovereigns and images of gold and Queen Victoria all over it they just had these beautiful little bands of gold and these really simple, you know, really nice high sleeves. Are you a buyer and wearer of the the shirt as it changes? Do, are you one of those fellas? Do you... I, d- I don't. I don't go. I, I always buy 
I always buy a shirt every year you to support the club. Yeah. Uh, but I don't. I don't always kind of go to the match wearing them. I, I always buy a bit of paraphernalia to get the kids scarves and things like that just to support yes. the club. Really. Not County have got a really interesting thing with their kit because it's Juventus's kit that's based on it, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I heard a rumour the other day, and I d- you might have to dig this out to find out if it's true, that, that Notts had a game against Juve. They did, when they opened their new stadium. Yes. Yeah, about 70 years ago. Now, they, I'm on about way, way back, oh, right, where, okay. um, where Juve, there was some kind of legal wranglings over the fact that they'd copied the... That this might be absolute rubbish, but someone who um, swears, you know, fairly deep Notts County man, um, swears that there was a game, but if Juve won, they were allowed to play, to wear the strip, and yeah. if they didn't, they were going to change it. Or it seems it. a rather one-sided wager, that, doesn't it? Given well, that it was, one of them Juve. If it was like 17-12... May oh, have been. Yeah, exactly. Do you know when they played them for the opening of the stadium? Yeah. Because obviously, you know, we're miles behind in some ways commercially. There was no sort of link done other than sending the team out. And yeah. this lad from Nottingham, which I love, took out two suitcases full of county scarves and, oh. and tops and badges, stood outside the stadium and opened them up and they were gone within 30 seconds. Brilliant. Oh, that's amazing. And you think to yourself, County, the new owners, I know you, you, you know them and we've met them, they should have a part of that shop that just sells Notts County stuff because it would go like hotcakes. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, you I, I mean? the, the new guys you know, that have taken over, it, it's, it's funny because people talk about businesses... It, it all starts at the top and it trickles down. And I think when it was going, you know, wasn't going as and hadn't gone well for a number of years, uh, the last few years, I've never never really noticed the change in a chairman to have such a bigger because the staff didn't change. No. So you've kind of got all these people that looked ill <laughs> and looked very put upon and very tired and very down in the dumps and not happy in their jobs. Uh, I went to a, a game with you, Johnny, didn't I? And we went and, and we met these new guys. Great, everybody they? was happy not because people are winning just because they weren't under that stress of maybe being blamed or you know who knows the inner workings of what was going on but these guys have kind just of just getting come paid in. yeah get, getting paid yeah. and having having people um behind the club who kind of believe in the club and are a bit more relaxed and and it's it's having a brilliant trickle down effect all the way through have you got like a team that's that's not your own that you that you quite like or you've ever kept an eye on but i know there's a there's a lovely story with you and, and your mother for argument's sake you yeah know? well m- mine's always been um Man United mm. has always been my kind of the teams that I've, I've always followed, and I've followed them through Europe. If anyone from England's in a final against anyone from Europe, I'm always behind them. But Man United were always, um, I think my dad had sort of watched them, you know, and, and so they, they were always my second, you know, dream teams. You know, it's going very badly down here, but amazingly well up here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, but then, um, yeah, then but my mum, uh, sadly not with us anymore, but. Uh, few years back my mum was turning 60 and she'd never been to uh, Anfield and she's a we've got family a lot my mum's family in particular uh, back to Warrington and Liverpool we've got you know relatives out there and so she'd always ever since you know a young girl always followed Liverpool and um, and I've got lots of shared memories because Liverpool like, you know, in the 80s there wasn't a cup final it was like the Steve Davis of uh, the football <laughs> at the time they were in everything and winning everything and all those shared memories and so um, through a friend of ours a, 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 an ex-footballer Paul McGregor um, played for Forest and um, and he managed he had a friend who, who could and Johnny helped sort me some tickets out for my mum and myself and so I, I drove up there and, uh, and and it's one of them things because you're sort of something you go to New York you're going you know I want to see a yellow cab I want to <laughs> eat a really big hot dog and I'm kind of going there thinking I'm going to you know I'm going to I had no idea um, 
you'll never walk alone, how much that would push me back into my chair. Really? It was yeah. unbelievable. I'd never, you know, when you're kind of thinking, I've seen it on the telly, but it's a bit like a great singer. Speakers can't contain the best voices in the world. Mm. They can't deliver them. You have to kind of be in the room to see it. And so um, so to share that with my mum, and it was only, a, you know, a couple of years before she passed away, was incredibly special. But the best bit was, it was, again, it was like a very real experience because we were, they got us tickets in the press box. It was Chelsea... Liverpool, when Liverpool, Brendan Rodgers was there, and it looked right. like they were about to win the league. Steven Gerrard's famous slip. Of course. A really iconic, uh, really iconic game. And, um, oh, what's the player's name? God, his name's escaping me now. He's got a little moustache. He looks a bit like Rushy, a bit shorter. Oh, oh John Aldridge. Aldridge. So, so we're sat in this, like, so we got some seats, but it was the, the tickets had sold out. And so we're sat in the press box. And uh, my mum's, there's John Aldridge, um, and the bloke he was doing his radio show with, and then my mum, and then me, and and um, and she's kind of going, I can't believe I'm, can't believe I'm sat next to John Aldridge, and I'm just going like, uh, you know, this is going to be one of them things you remember for the rest of your life. And then she elbowed me after about ten minutes, went, can we swap seats? And I said, uh, why? And she said, I can just swap, just want to swap, you know. And I swapped everyone, come out. Well, about a minute after I sat in it, he elbowed me in the ribs because he's still so into Liverpool. He'd been elbowing my mum in the ribs dead hard. <laughs> she sort of like made out she hadn't got a decent view and I was getting it in the ribs. And he, honestly, he was like a jumping jack. He was absolutely... And, and it was, But it was one of them things that... And then because my mum uh, obviously passed away a few years later, um, you know, you, you only ever really... You pick your team and they're your team, but then you have these these people that for whatever reason, with Man United, it was that 99, the treble thing, when you sort of see yeah. people in the last minute, Sheringham, Solskjaer, those things kind of stay with you and you sometimes follow people or follow the results after it. And Liverpool's been like that for me ever since. This is the Best Eleven podcast with Johnny Owen and Mark Webster. OK, Shane, we're going to go through your favourite all-time England eleven. This is England by Shane Meadows. We got in the sticks. Right, so my this is England eleven. My uh, in-between-the-sticks, uh, big perm. Peter Shilton, obviously, he was my era, and I know there's probably maybe technically a smidge better, um, but uh, anyone with hair that amazing has to go in my eleven. And a lot of caps. I think he had like well over hundred caps, didn't he, Peter Shilton? Yeah, yeah. I think he was a cap record holder, wasn't he? Was, he? Yeah, yeah. Did Beckham take over, or I'm was that not sure on that? I'm not. No, I think he's still the record cap holder. And then we're going to start on the right hand side. You right back, uh, Gary Neville. Okay, not yeah. Phil Neville. Not Philip, no, no. I've no. okay. I've really torn on the train, but uh, <laughs> no. So I've got, I've gone for Gary. I've gone uh, yeah, sort of left and right back for me. I've gone real stable, solid. Yeah. So who's on your left? Stuart Pearce. Oh, yeah, that's a really good full-back pairing, actually. Yeah, he's the sort of person that could uh, say I'm capable of running sort of two k. He could come back from scoring a penalty with that face that he did when he scored <laughs> it, and I'd probably do a marathon <laughs> for him. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So yeah. Pierce left um, Neville right. So yeah. So centre halves. Who've you gone? So I've gone for uh, a bit of old and new. Yeah, uh, okay. Rio Ferdinand, Bobby Moore. Oh, both West Ham Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice. the '66 um, World Cup side had lots of West Ham players in, and <laughs> yeah. for some reason, my uh, my central back department is is chock full of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, Ferdinand for the ability to come out with the yeah. ball. And yeah. uh, obviously more for yeah. just being a uh, best defender and, and my captain ever, yeah. of the team as yes. well. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know he's your favourite England player, and he was an astonishing player. You gone for Gaza and him in the middle of the park. Gaza, Paul Gascoigne in the middle. Yeah, for everything, the highs, the lows, the, the, the magic. You know, even you know, I, I followed. I, I remember Gaza when he didn't get picked. 
you know, to come and you know to come and play. And he went down. I think he got like a hair's whisker away for playing under Hoddle. And yeah, um, I could, you know, he's one of them people. It's like it feels as close as I'm ever going to get to going yeah. on a pitch because he wears his heart. I never understood that in '98 because only because if you've got five minutes to go. Oh, no, you'd I have know. Him just on the bench, wouldn't you? Yeah, completely. And it, it's it, it was uh, yeah, it was a sad time. I think was, you know. Yeah. I suppose as a manager, people get you know. But I I think you've earned the, what, what the magical moments that someone possesses. You know what he yeah. the, some of the games he turned around, some of the things he did, especially in '96. Um, it seemed like a banker to have him there as part of the team. But yeah, uh, yeah but he he's one of those people that still captures people's imaginations to this day. So uh, yeah, and you know for his playing ability and and his you know unique personality. Right hand side, you're going to go for Beckham. Yeah, yeah, David Beckham, world class. Yeah, unbelievable, and it's one of the, one of the only English uh, exports I've followed when they've played in other teams mm. abroad. Mm. So when he played for Real Madrid, I'd be watching his games, um, which I've never done before or since. So whether I'm slightly attracted to the guy or whether it's <laughs> <Okay>. skill, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just an amazing, um, amazing player, and one of those that there's nothing like. Seeing someone, it's the same with boxers. I'm drawn to people that have maybe, you know, when he had, yeah. when he got sent off, it shows a sign of a man to kind of come back from that. Not only come back, get a game by the scruff of the neck, and get your nation to qualify. Game, yeah, 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 unbelievable. So you know that um, anyone that can do that, that's the same with Piercy. You know, miss a penalty, come back, bury a penalty, yeah. and then charge the rest of your team. You know, yeah. so yeah. And on the left hand side, you've gone for somebody that always wins polls for this position, and it's amazing to think he retired decades ago. You've gone for the. Uh, Tom Finney, great Tom Finney. Yeah, yeah, the Preston plumber. Yeah, and they called him because apparently he used to look after ten leaks. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, you've got a. a I mean, what what I suppose what's kind of sad uh, and amazing about obviously amazing that someone from the quality obviously Shankly, you know, was saying I, I heard a story that Shankly someone was saying is there any modern day players in your team who who'd stand up with him and he said well maybe now he's sixty they have a chance. <laughs> so he obviously was an exceptional talent in his day, yeah. but it just shows you that we the that left problem of England and you know. Gerard Lampard Beckham, um, you know, we still haven't quite fixed it, and no one's ever come to replace. We always wanted Ryan Giggs, but uh, unfortunately, you couldn't. You couldn't have him uh, until I got the train down with you earlier today. <laughs> I thought that we had a choice, and he picked another country, but I didn't realise that he actually hadn't, and he couldn't have played for England if he'd wanted no, to. No, Wales-born, both parents Welsh. You know, what I mean? yeah, I've, I've always wanted to. Uh, I think we always, always have felt like the missing piece yeah. was in the the team over the border. You know. <laughs> Well, up front, uh, talk us through him. Well, I've got, yes, I've got a, in the number 10 position, just in front of my uh, midfield three, <laughs> I've got Robert uh, Bobby Charlton. Oh, yeah. um, the most decorated play, English player ever. Won everything, World Cups, European Cups, titles. Yeah, amazing. part of two generations of two incredible, iconic teams. Mm. You know, to and then to almost be like the modern sort of blueprint. Ah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. You know, for a sort of, for a modern player in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so again, he's... Uh, be almost impossible to yeah. leave him off with his stats, but uh, in the modern game, I suppose we'd say he played in the hole, didn't he? Just behind the strikers, yes. And did that in 1966, yeah, very successfully for England, winning the World Cup, yeah, incredible, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and to have again the sort of story, a lot of my a lot of the people in my teams have these kind of stories of uh, they've come through something or worked through something, and oh, so uh, him, unbelievable, and really yeah, working. and he's playing just behind. So, I've got uh, I've got uh, two uh, amazing players, um. Jimmy Greaves wow, yeah. and Alan Shearer, um, you know, <laughs> Very decent. Yeah, I mean, my dad always spoke to me about, and I think most football men and, and dads talk to you about Greaves. You yeah. know, and lucky he was not to be in the final, and yeah. all of these, you know, these sort of things. And obviously, his goal rate and 
Um, and then what, what growing up watching him as a kid doing you know sports Saint on Saturday, degrees, yeah, yeah, we yeah. amazing. Um, and um, and then Shearer, you know, like as a like a machine, really. Oh, what a player! Yeah, absolutely incredible. Never over celebrated. Just that little pinky came up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just do a little twelve meter jog with your finger up in the air. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, made it look easy and very. Very few people in England make it look easy mm. and just are always in the right place. Obviously, Lineker came close mm. in, in that reckoning. Um, but uh, for me, it just it had to be Shearer. Well, Shane, I've got to say that is some team. You'd probably give Wales a half-decent uh, go with that, wouldn't you? Maybe 40, 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic team, Shane. Thank you, and mate. Thank you very much. The Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.